Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It's Dan and Ethan on Happy Paddling Podcast, episode eight. And we are, well, where are we? Okay, I'll describe the scene. So I've been on a road trip. I rolled into Bend today, met up with Ethan. I parked my rig, jumped into his black truck with the camper shell on it, and road trip straight away to Boise, Idaho. We pulled in here at sunset, and we're kind of camped out behind the shop, right in this huge, epic park. Tons of people going off tonight. It was just, I've never seen this place so full of life and just absolutely 105 degrees. Just 105, there's a weird energy in the air. We left Bend and there was a major weather pattern found out after leaving. Uh, My family got rained out up at the mountain lake. So obviously weather's coming in and on the ride here, we almost lost a boat. Yeah, that was a super close one. We had one boat strapped to the roof and a really hard side wind. And there was at least 8 to 12 inches of bar with that strap wrapped around it twice. And that strap slipped all the way 8 to 12 inches and was almost going to come off the loop, right? I don't think I had it wrapped around twice, or did I? No, I didn't because I came from... No, on the inside. Yep, because I was on the the inside. That was the deal. That was the problem. Anyway, we've, we were talking about how many boats that we've wrapped up, and it happens. You do it in long enough, and weird stuff happens. But how many boats over – I mean, you've been at it, what, since 2002? 2000. 2000. I've been at it since, I don't know, 2008. How many thousands and thousands of boats have we strapped in our lives? Yeah, lots. It's crazy to think about. Lots. So, But I did kind of a rookie mistake is I changed it up a little bit because it was a higher reach up to those straps for tightening. I'd rather just climb up on top and tighten it from the inside. Mm-hmm. But because of that, I didn't have a double loop around the outside. And with a strong wind coming from right to left, and that was a strong wind. Yeah, that was nuts. Uh, so there's a lot of cra- – and then we get here, and there's just, just crazy energy, two kids fist fighting. Um, in the, yeah, like, it was right a stressful front. night. Like It took us a while to get to this place where we were ready to chill. We took a, a walk along the like plentiful, freshly paved park trails around here, and now we're back behind the shop talking stories to calm down a little bit. Yeah, so we're going to be sleeping out underneath this tent by the rental shed tonight. <laughs> yep, on our route to uh, the Big Gear Show in Deer Valley, Utah, with a stopover and hopefully a stay for two nights with my close friend, one-time partner, and just the guy that I laugh the most with. Next to you, Dan, a few others, is uh, Tom Strauss, the founder of Emotion Kayaks. We'll end up staying up with him, and I'm really excited for you to get to meet him and know him. And- yeah, I've heard so many stories of Tom over the years, just big energy, and you do you do an impersonation of him. I don't think I've ever talked to him in real life. I've seen him on a few videos, <laughs> but I can hear him so loud just from knowing you. He's Philadelphia. If you, uh, if, or if you ever watch like Mad Money, that show with Jim Cramer, and he's kind of got that like pow style at you. Pow, he, he, pow. He's just. Oh yeah. Like yeah, you know, Jim Cramer. Uh, have you ever watched like sell, 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 buy? You know, he's like he's he's this kind of crazy stock show uh, announcer presenter on CNBC, and a lot of his mannerisms are similar to Tom, which is I think just Philly people and you know they're big just energy. They're big, big energy, big hitters, yeah, yeah, and excited and passionate about you know everything so um we you know we laughed a lot over the many years and i can't wait to share them with the audience and uh yeah we're gonna get them on the podcast that's gonna be episode nine but in this episode right we wanted to talk a little bit about the early days and uh just i don't you know we've never talked a whole lot about your repping career you know how did you get started in this well you know you pulled up that picture of my original f-250 like white and red ambulance you know and then it had the camper on top of it and i hauled behind me a 15 hauler open tree trailer so i went to school in madison wisconsin for forestry but the whole time through college i worked at a shop called carl's paddling and it was kind of there's another big shop rutabaga paddle sports in madison so carl's kind of had to be more even more boutique and esoteric for sure (laughs) and so when i started working there it was my sophomore year and i my roommate had crashed my toyota tercel and i got the insurance money and i bought a bell magic black gold canoe with that money and didn't have a car but in madison you can actually paddle between three lakes i could actually paddle the class in portage home it was on an isthmus that's hilarious and i ended up going into this awesome shop that sold bell i didn't buy it from this store i bought it from my hometown and i went into uh and i was telling the owner this story and you know if they ever wanted work and he's like wait you know you you went without a car and got a canoe basically traded a car for a canoe i was like yeah he's like you're hired 
That's awesome. And then over the years, he had some really talented people work there for about a year and a half, and they went in different directions. I ended up kind of being his right-hand man, just out of, like, nobody else to do it. Um, cool. Still some people getting out of the water here. Yes. And uh, anyway, so when I came out west and moved to Portland after graduating from forestry, I almost took a mortgage officer job, but instead started working really? at Alder Creek Kayak and Canoe, like making just being a grunt unloading kayaks and eventually selling stuff. And two months after that, I met. I was also building a, a sheep fence for friends, a fence to keep their sheep in. So I wouldn't I'm, let you build anything for me. Uh, no, <laughs> no. That's but hilarious. I, I got. He actually mentored me pretty well, and I learned how to like dig the you know good holes and uh, you know really like uh, uh, make a good high taut fence. But, That's hilarious. I never yeah. knew this about you. Yeah. So I was really like working at a kayak shop and building a fence in the rain for sheep in Portland, <laughs> and then two months later met the rep at their event that was doing bell and he was retiring actually taking over mountain hardware territory so he was going to be busy with that and said you should go for this thing and i applied for it and by june of that month of that summer six months after moving west i had bought a truck and trailer with a little leftover you know college work and savings from tuition you know and all or leftover from like the last go around because i think i had a you've always been super smart with your money oh and then yeah so i ended up uh driving around the west being a rep and i started with bell and eddie line eddie line just had part of the territory so, so you've been with them since day one basically 2000 but, but since you started as a rep yeah like you haven't like swapped yep like i feel like i've already i guess i, I haven't but uh, you know i i feel like i've already like worked with different brands over the years just through the retail shop like you develop a relationship and then something happens and you you know go with the, you have to go a new direction but you've been with the same two brands really most all your brands ever since i've known you since 2008 there were changes like i had a mountain surf for early on and i had sawyer paddles early on yeah and sawyer was local in oregon which was great but the opportunity of bending branches um just at the time things were you know changing on their front and such a diverse range totally sawyer is like still to this day beautiful wood stuff in oregon i was just in there the other day on uh they're right there on the rogue river and they have this coolest little river shop and they do wednesdays on the water like oh. this community thing. So it's like, they're such a cool brand. Yeah. That but was, you, they couldn't, you can't do everything. You know, they're, they're still kind of boutique. Right. You know, it's kind of that. They were you know, obviously mostly focused on all wood. And yeah. unfortunately, like in the, in the world of kayak paddles, wood was like the standard when I was in college. Like someone would buy a wreck boat and they'd buy a wood $130 impression yeah. from Benny Branches or Gray Owl had some paddles. And then Voyager, which is part of the Harmony Confluence Perception Days. They had wooden paddles marked Voyager. You've seen That's some awesome. of those around. Yeah. So that was a standard paddle. Really what happened is, I mean, just making enough wood paddles to keep up with demand is difficult to begin with. It's right. super laborious, training intensive, and lower margins. And injection molding and plastic with polyethylene kayaks was coming out. Durability was required. Whitewater, of course, as well needed it. And then the margins that were offered in the plastics for the manufacturer, the retailer, and also the price, you know, it's like plastics took over. And yeah. then wood became like esoteric, even though it has that nice natural snap to it, that I still, feel. I still, I, well, I have the carbon wood blend, but that is, there's nothing like a wood paddle or a wood green yeah. paddle. It just has a feel. All my canoe paddles are wood. There's a paddle that Sawyer makes called the Sea Feather, and it's kind of more of a triangular shape. Uh-huh. It's all spoon shaped, and it is just, there was more unique styles of paddles in those early days. All sorts yeah, of weird shapes. And I have two Greenland paddles that I got from Sawyer that they made, all solid cedar, That's beautiful cool. with with like reinforced tips out of dynel and with wire in it the wire in the dynel was to look like bone like herring bone which is what they used to do on (laughs) greenland paddles is that at the tips they would reinforce it with like bone in between the cuts like so it could take a hit better kind of thing so i'm so I was told. I mean, yeah. if some expert here can correct us in the comments if I'm wrong on that. <laughs> but that's what they said. So they had kind of a wire dynel resin. So it looked ivory. It looked kind of like a awesome. bone. And, yeah. Uh, I totally digressing on geeking out. But that was what I was repping was a mountain surf. We were selling a lot of spray decks where you'd have a dry top. Oh, yeah. spray. You know, there was just a lot of niche stuff that's not necessarily around anymore. I know. I think about that, too. The industry's changed so much. Composite boats everywhere. Eddie Line was just starting to really get thermo off the ground four years into it. But I had an entire Eddie Line composite fleet. 
Falcon 18, Falcon 16, Sea Star, uh, uh, Calypso, Wind Dancer, Raven. You had all those in composite. All of those in my fleet. Most of that oh, 15 hauler was all of those boats, <laughs> including three tandems. Yeah. A San Juan, which is a triple cockpit tandem, a sweet boat that has a sailing rig for it. Like That's, that they, I would love that, they, to get that it. goes in the middle, which Dude, also. You should find some of those old school. They're around. Oh, they're around. Sweet. It's pretty cool when the Tom and Lisa, the founders of Eddie Line, talked about the San Juan. Basically, their boat models just evolved with their family. Uh-huh. So, you know, early models are like Werner's designs and Tom's narrower stuff. And then they start coming out with tandems. And the San Juan Grand Touring had a giant center opening cockpit that they could put their two kids in. <laughs> That's awesome. That, and they basically just made the boat for that, that it's it could like sail out so, so that, like, Lisa could tend to get, you know, or whatever. Oh, that's Tom. awesome. Like, they basically evolved the line to suit their family and then, you know, people that came into the company. So it was pretty cool. But, yeah. A sail was, on a kayak, it works really well. If it's a small enough sail and a light enough wind, I have that sailing rig on that Dagger Sitka. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? My little yeah. Falcon sail? Yeah. And man, you get that thing up on a windy day and just get a few strokes in and just money for nothing, ride of your life, ripping downwind or sideways to the wind. Like if it gets too much, you gotta, it'll start blowing you over. So you're low bracing all the time. But if you get that right amount of wind and you just have it flat on your deck otherwise and you launch it, you're just, you're cruising like six, seven miles an hour. It feels like an e-bike. I want to do more of that. Yeah, you, you got to come to Whiskey Town with me. It'll blow your mind. Yep. Sailing rig. You have a Falcon Sail rig? Is that who it is? Yeah, Falcon Sails. Check them out online. I need Super to get one cool. of those. I need to get one of those. You know, They're I not just, that expensive for how much they add to the boat. How much time fiddling with it and tools did you need to like, install? See, I have a, well, I didn't turn it into a YouTube video because it was pretty long and boring, but I will happily send you the video. It's like 45 minutes of me setting this thing up. Put it up. But I'm like grilling steaks and stuff in the process. <laughs> Put it up. I'm little, I, dude, I was kind of like... You still the, have it. What's I was under the that? influence a little bit. And I'm like talking to the camera for real mistakes. And I'm just like, I can't put this out there. Nobody would watch this. What about a throwback, you know, like um, a rerun, you know, this week's... Maybe Seth could edit it and make it look good. <laughs> It'll be like one of those lost... It's yeah. just not that good of a video. Uh, but it's, it is in depth. And you I'd like to it. see some lost reels, like pulling up, pull some of your old uh, YouTubes and throw it up as like reruns. That's dude, the Paddleboy 84 channel still out there. Paddleboy84, real fans of Dan Arbuckle. Dan Narbuckle now. No. Uh, like old school surfing with a Greenland paddle in the San Juan Rapids yeah. in a Nordcap 17.7 composite boat. Like, why did we do that? I just wanted to be a sea kayaker so bad if we take him to the river. <laughs> Things have evolved now, man. Plastic boats, like, I don't know, simpler paddle craft. Well, just kind of meat and potatoes, you know. Yeah. Spent a lot of time on, like, the meat of the market and less time on the, the cool, niche stuff that, like, kind of got us fired up. I've, you I've, think you think there's a place? I mean, do you think it's cyclic like that? And uh, I do, because I was around a bunch of boaters this weekend. You know, before yeah. I came here, I was in White Salmon with Seth. And to be around people that, how do I describe it? It's not that they took it serious, because they didn't. They were having a great time, but they were so proficient in this environment. Yeah. Yeah. That was their environment. It was just, they belong. River junkies. Yeah. I was just so cool to watch them and how they danced with the, the currents and the, you know, the waves. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And yeah. just a magical place. I've been watching videos from that place for 20 years. So to be there and say like, there's still people in this sport that really care and uh, and it and it's an all walks. It could be surf ski yeah. people, passionate sea kayakers. You know these niches used to be a lot bigger, but there's still people out there that care. Or maybe the niches are the same size. It's just the there's so much more in the you know yeah middle. Like that's what we were having that talk about stand up paddleboards. Maybe there are just still as equally many enthusiasts stand up paddleboards. There's just so many more people so floating. More wrecking. Yeah. Yeah, floating. It's interesting. So we're headed to the big gear show uh, in Deer Valley and. The paddle sports industry will be there to some extent, but a lot of companies decided that this was the year that they were mostly going to maybe travel their territory, have retreats. It just seemed, or just still busy trying to figure out production. Yeah. And there was iCast show, so many vendors went to that, right? Right, that's where Feel Free went, so they're not coming out here, but I'll, I'll be, my whole thing is I wanted to connect with dealers and just be a part of the industry. It yeah. feels good. So even if it's small, like, I just wanted to be there this year. Yeah. Well, sometimes maybe there are people in different 
different brands that like I, I could see it as there could be a few brands that normally wouldn't be on the beach because beach place got taken by some of the vendors might now be there might yeah. be able to try some other things so we'll try to get some audio from that probably just off a phone throw it on here you know running into various people that'll be fun to share maybe that'll be the next episode um, yeah it sounds great what else are you excited to see there um like in particular with brands I don't know I'm excited to talk to Aquaglide I've been messing with their stuff a little bit and uh, I'm just really finding the inflatable to be really useful like with my camper with our Suburban we're constantly wanting to go paddle places we have limited space and if it's not easy like I don't want to deal with it like we have the rocket box on top the two little inflatable kayaks just go in the back and uh, so anyway I'm kind of excited about talking to them more and learning like I guess just more. I've, I've never been open-minded to inflatables, but I've had a lot of fun with them lately. Well, if you're doing a family vacation like that, it's not primarily a pat- paddling vacation, but you're like, it'd be great to be able to get out in the water. Totally. You know, and like just get out there and float, see a sunset, see the wildlife or whatever. Yeah. But you don't want to commit all in and like have a trailer behind you with an extra couple of boats or something. Well, you did right. have a trailer behind you. but Right. Uh, well, we just did a trip to Sardine Lake with the family, all five of us, and we were visiting friends that had a cabin there. We had to drive in 30 minutes every day. Like there was a lot of logistics, and I just wouldn't have brought a kayak, a hard shell, or my trailer or canoe, because we had the box on, we had the dock, you know, we had bikes, we had everything. Yeah. So in order to keep it simple, you know, we just I'm like we threw those two inflatables in last minute, but man, the family was out there all weekend. Our friends were using them. They just blew up, hung out on the beach. It's a small little lake. Everyone was, you know, able to get out there and try kayaking. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is great. That super was, and a super safe, comfy. Yeah, super comfy. Yeah. You're not going anywhere fast, and you know in the wind, it's it's uh, they get blown around a little bit in the wind, but they're way better than I expected. Like an enjoyable clip paddling around a lake, and it, they feel light in the water. Uh-huh. I don't know how to yeah. describe it. They feel like they're on top of the water, skimming it real, real. I don't know, smooth. You got to try it. No, I did at the demo. Remember, uh, Tumalo had a demo, and I took oh, one of the right, shorter did, ones yeah. out. I took like the shortest, smallest the twelve. One. Yeah, maybe it was a twelve. Anyway, did great. I mean, did great. I think. Uh, I think probably the biggest IK alternative would be should I bring an inflatable sup instead? Would be like right. The question, that's what right? I was gonna say. You you lean more towards taking an inflatable sup with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do. They are the you know ultimate floating around device. If you're just if you're just wanting to you know check out some various waters, but I like the kayak idea because you could also bring some gear. I like it the 14 and the 155 because it's a tandem slash solo, and I paddled the 14 as a solo all weekend. It was awesome, and then I put Jack in there, put Ashley in there. Put my yeah. friend Mary in there. So that was like, I don't know, super versatile. Saw the versatility of it. And like all the RVs that are out there in van life, high high roof sprinters. Oh, I've, I've, I've been thinking about, you know how sometimes you have ideas you'll probably never execute on, but it's fun to just talk about. Sure. Uh, so hear me out. So you know my parents that live in Quartzsite, Arizona. Yeah. And it is like tent city. People just go to the desert and live there for six months. And then they have these huge flea markets. And people set up shop down there. And so I thought it would be fun to go down there and have a inflatable kayak booth or just maybe even some sort of kayak booth. Do it for like two weeks. I'm going to be in town. Talk about it on the YouTube channel. Show up with just whatever product I can fit in my trailer. And I'm going to be in Quartzsite, Arizona for two weeks and like have like the videos playing in the backdrop so people can see what they can do with these things. And just like if you have an RV and you're right here near the Colorado River, like you guys should be out there enjoying the water too. And just have videos of them. Like, yeah, look at that. That's amazing. I think about all those people with the folding e-bikes and stuff. That nomad, uh, the circuit trading market show thing is a whole nother. I've had multiple people in my life that are good friends and contacts, including that gentleman, Steve, I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. He ran like the gun show slash trade where he was selling this like Australian concealed weapon vest. It kind of looked like a back outback vest, uh-huh. you know, but it had all these like awesome concealed stuff and that one unit they ran for probably five to seven years just driving around to various shows setting up selling these cool vests and then there were some bags like australian shoulder bags but mostly it was the vest that's awesome just piles of them you see them out there and they find their niche and they, they just find like their niche and off to the races <laughs> yeah and so i guess that's the deal i feel sold on it yep. so i could go do this thing my parents live down there so you know, it's something fun that we could do as a family. I don't know why that's my idea of fun. I'm so weird. We should just go on like vacation I, and ride racers. <laughs> like no, it's like people. ice cream stand to kayaks, though. Yeah, but maybe that's the deal. Maybe I it's get like the kids ice- involved and we just have like this little uh, family hustle, getting a bunch of people into paddle sports. 
And uh, I don't know, it just sounds fun to me. Uh, I mean, Again, this, I'll never do it. This, I, think you, I think you might now that you're talking. It sounded pretty it sounds good. sounds good, right? And mom and dad, maybe they want to you know, work it a few days. Well, yeah, then another guy that I was friends with that actually managed that shop, Brew, was a great guy, managed that shop that Steve owned, uh, managed it later as well after they sold it. He was What's, he was like adamant about looking for products like that. He's like, I just need. I'm, I, I'm what, like, what are you thinking about these days, bro? You know, he'd be like, I'm looking for a product that I can just take on the road, like that one thing that was just like the, you know, an umbrellas or whatever happens yeah, to be. Yeah, the or hustle like, and show up the show. Yeah, or like the tiger on the black tapestry. You know, I mean, what? <laughs> there's all those. I saw as I was coming into Napa the other day. It was a full-on semi truck, semi trailer, but then like all arted out, like it was a mobile art semi and the guy must have had like it and it was like airbrush like that tiger type of art type of stuff like <laughs> glamorous tigers you know that yeah was i know like, the one reminds but, me of mike tyson for some reason yeah but <laughs> he had a whole trailer full of various stuff like that semi trailer it almost looked like it was two levels inside and he was sitting in like a lazy boy chair on the back of it like he was you know greeting people as they came in uh-huh. he had done that he had just gone full mobile nomad you know, salesperson wagon, no different than the snake oil guy on the wagon. Yeah. It's been going on for a long time. Yeah, exactly. That's what I we're doing, it. aren't we? It sounds kind of good. It sounds fun. Yeah. It's like everything. I say I want to live in a city, but then I'm like, actually, I don't like cities, but it sounds like a fun idea to, so when, I think it would work. Whenever I go to these trade shows, I'm looking for product like that, like something like that. And I've over the years sold yak grips, you know, still oh, a yeah. cool thing. It's a neoprene collar that goes over your paddle grip. It's not from, you know, if you yeah, have like hands. strappy hands like we do and trucker hands, it's not a problem. But if you're like working in an office five days a week and then go to water all day. That's the number like, one thing people complain yeah, about blister, is a little blister on the thumb. Yak grips. Anyway, I've hustled those before. I sold... Uh, solar panel, uh, solar panel light bo- uh, water bottles called Soul Light. Oh, I remember those. Yeah, this was a terrible deal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the product was awesome. This is probably like 2004, 2005. They're out of Hood River, and they're making little solar power lights for sailboats and yachts. And they sell this thing called the Shockle, and it's like a bungee cord that they use in sailing and stuff. Okay. That's like universal bungee. But then he had another invention, and it was called the Soul Light, and it was an Nalgene bottle essentially with a screw on top that had a solar panel. And it has two light settings, a red, which would last all night, or a yellow that was brighter. And when you fill the thing with water, it became a little lantern. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I loved it. So I bought a couple, and then I bought 400 of them. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, I remember these. Yeah, and I think they were 8 bucks a piece, my cost. I sold them for like 15 12 or something like that. You know, And the retailer uh-huh. sold it for like 24 And that was kind of the way it worked. But about like three months into owning all these 400 came out bpa or the bisphenol a <laughs> and these things were <laughs> it's when the old bis- the, the old bisphenol deal got me oh, didn't keep me funny. out of the light business because later on i got the, the first generations of those wind up flashlights that uh-huh. have like the cheap radio on it that picks you up like those kicking around your house <laughs> i still got a few of those. those however i went through thousands of really <laughs> yep yep thousands of because i found a few distributors and the wind up flashlight like I had my piece and I had that. How would you sell thousands back in the early days before online retailers? I mean, I I would buy 200 at a time and sell 20 to 30 to each dealer visit. Yeah. And like, and then Dude. it started getting a circuit of it. And then I had a few retailers that had a distributed side of their marine business, and they started selling it around their marine. And I was the source of the wind up flashlight for a while. A lot of them. Found it. The li- cool. I found it. The line through a guy that his name was Barry, and he was the Fisher Space Pen rep. So I also briefly d- did Fisher Space Pens. What is rep. that? That's a, it's the pen that could write upside down because it had a pressurized. <laughs> it's what the Fisher made it <laughs> for the NASA astro- astronauts. They I've made. I don't know any of this about you. This is hilarious. Yeah, I also repped like uh, reactor watches that had. Like, <laughs> we were initially going to have, like, radioactive glow-in-the-dark dials, but they had a really phosphorescent, like, paint on the dials, so it would stay charged. It was called Reactor Watches, and the guy that started it had started Freestyle Watches. So he had a proven record, and these were, like, $250. Uh-huh. And I repped those for a while and, like, literally had a black case full of watches and would go into places. <laughs> I can't believe that. I guess when you're... You're young, just, you're just like trying to like figure out what's working for you. And you'd go to these OR shows and somebody would be like, oh, they know you, you know, and there was a lot of lines going around. Like, yeah. I'll still do that at this show, still look around. You never know when you're going to find, I mean, Keens. Yeah, I remember so when Keens came out, all of us reps were like snooping around, throwing in, um, throwing in cards and like, oh, these guys are looking for reps. And then there was this like yellow 
rubberized croc version that was similar to it that came out like there was various i've done various footwear uh-huh. tried a lot of different things over the years that's interesting you all you've settled down in the past i don't know 10 years to mostly the same thing i mean you've always have like a, a oddball product or two that you're repping yep but for the most part you've narrowed it down to like your what top six lines like yep uh mostly fresh. you know yeah i think that's I think in the end they require that much focus, you know. But I always yeah. have something that's coming out of the back of the truck. I love like. Well, the you back. should talk about what lines you're working with now. All right, so I'm working with Stolquist Waterwear, Bending Branches, and Aquabound, and have been with them for a long time. Stolquist as well, like twenty, close to twenty years. Um, Bending Branches maybe not quite that long, close to it though. And then um, Eddie Line, Lifetime Products, Lifetime Kayaks, yeah. North Star Canoes. I still sell Danu canoe and kayak oh, covers, yeah, like little side. I got my little happy paddling brand dry bags that I, you know, picked up yeah, from you. Yeah, there's a recent uh, hustle you started on. Dude, yep, those are sweet. Yep. Good. We're looking at one right now. You got the happy paddling. I use them for right like there. basically for everything. You yeah, know? it's my purse on the sailboat. Yeah. I have that happy paddle. It's got the strap. Yeah. Yeah. And the big duffel, I just like each one of my tents, you know, the big like car camping tents you have and they never go back in the bag. Yeah. I put those in a big dry bag now and it's awesome. You it's, never, yeah. it's like a little professional, like just get rid of that little tent stuff sack and buy one twice as big as your tent. It'll mash and down. Dry. And it, you, yeah, and it mashes down all the same, right? Yep. Like in your back of your car, whether it's mashing flat or as a perfect round little bundle. You're not and putting it in ready a to pack. get thrown in the canoe whenever you need it. Totally. I like it. That's a good hack, man. I have some of those bags, but I've never used it. Can't that. so see. I, you asked me about my rep history, and I go right into pitching you a know, dry bag. <laughs> but I told you <laughs> <laughs> that, that you sold me. That's hilarious. Uh, full circle. Yeah, so that's been it kind of thing. I tried some sunglasses for a while. I've had kind of numerous help, you know, throughout the year, either subcontracted like reps that were doing their own thing, uh-huh. or um, had a few f- employees. And um, right now, I'm like. Um, kind of on the next chapter as are a lot of our retailers redefining everything I'm kind of on the next chapter of like uh, my employee Nick went off into his own kind of adventure and um, we're you know we're in close contact we're kind of all talking about that he's still repping winter stuff but I no longer have like an employee under me that I'm managing so the last two trips have been me in the back of the truck no camper it's kind of all nostalgic yeah yeah Yeah. no camper right now I'm just in that you know cot in the back of a pickup truck well you got a camper shell not a, yes. like a camper like you used to you know a sink and like you don't use any of that stuff anyway but i use the bathroom i used to like having a closet and a bathroom you know uh-huh. uh, that's funny i try, try not to use mine if i can all help it really yeah i still i don't like dealing with home it. court man yeah i know it's like I, it's like now i'm hauling home court see I that's think- funny funny because i use the water all the time in the fridge and you just use drop piano bottles yeah i don't run water because <laughs> those pipes break yeah then you have water everywhere and then your so camp, hot, like. camper's full of mold the water gets hot it always has a weird taste to it i'd yeah. rather change my water way more frequently than you would in a camper if you're running 30 gallons you know yeah i mean do you drink out of your camper water yeah really and do you Probably like should. treat and clean your camper um the water holding tank do you like treat it frequently no, it's starting to taste weird. <laughs> <laughs> I once had coffee out of Kurt Renner's camper yeah. that I swear was like. Dude, my mom tastes a bit that Just way. what you'd imagine, like a blue barrel <laughs> left in a farm field <laughs> full of water for like a season or two. <laughs> would taste like. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's, start, that's how mine's starting to taste. Exactly that. I should probably have a look at that. <laughs> oh, yeah, they sell it's been whole, two years. They sell whole kits, dude. Oh, and then you live in Reading, so it's like it's you so have this, hot all the time. Yeah, you you have a biodome. Your girl, your water's stored in a biodome. <laughs> all right, you're making me totally change all my decisions. All right. No, it's just one thing you got to know. I have one of those blue things. That's I mean, what it's, I should use. it's one thing. I mean, so Dan's living in my truck, you know. So he's seeing my rep rig set up. You can comment on what you see versus what you do. Okay. Yeah. So you're always very organized, which I like about you. Like everything's got a place, everything's got a bag, and inside the bag there's other little sacks that carry little drinks. Uh, like lots of bags. Very organized, and yeah. I've always that's one of the things you and I differ in that way, and I always admire about you. You're Lucy. So you're like tight and like ninja, and I'm more like all right, throw that stuff in the back. I got to get there, and then I'll deal with it. And I'm like I'm always sorting my stuff out, <laughs> and I don't love that about myself, but it's just how my brain works. Yeah. Like if I roll in somewhere, I want to be fully engaged with that person that I'm with, and I don't want to be tinkering. 
But then I'm always leaving myself a mess. To you had three with. paddles in the back seat of your car, kind of <laughs> diagonal. I can tell you, over 22 years, I've probably only had that maybe three times. We're like just a loose paddle, yeah. like de- banging against two others at a diagonal angle across. Because I'm like, if I stop quick, that thing's hitting me in the head. Yeah. I like, just like blades flying it just around. Blades the flying around. <laughs> yeah. So dumb. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when he got here and he's like loading into my car, I'm like, you need a box or something, dude. Cause it was like I was driving out of the driveway. <laughs> South house, and I'm like, oh, my paddle, chucked it in my front seat. Let's roll, and uh, and yeah, then there's a paddle in the back, and I'm like moving that around to get to the stuff sack underneath. It's a mess. Yep. And so, I'm, well, I'm just sleeping on a cot underneath underneath the cot. I've got a few bags of paddle samples. I've got a couple yeah, like you're dry, tight, tight, couple dry bag samples now, you know, and um, a lot of it's done digitally. Even when you see the rep, you're like, oh, I saw that. I saw that. Like I saw you showing it. You know. Yeah. Well, media is the way I like to talk to people nowadays, and because then you have a link and it's basically having a conversation about whatever thing. And if I don't know, it's just such an easy way to communicate. I feel like or get a point across without having to travel and be somewhere to do a presentation. So lately, you've been you know spending more dedicated time doing like YouTube and maybe yeah. even shorts and so forth like that. Yeah, like really are, giving it a college try here. Yeah, an organized content. Not just shot off the cuff as much. It seems like you have a plan of what you want to get to. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, having Seth on board and having his attention to the channel. And, like, you know, we get together, we come up with a plan, and then he's always executing. And then I go back to doing the 10 million other things I do, whether it be the feel for your, like, the boathouse or whatever things I'm working on. And then I circle back, and that he's moving the ball forward that whole time. Then we yep. have a shoot schedule, and then, we like, we know what we want to cover and we just enjoyed being together. So it was like this banter and it's like we get together and it's like three days. We just fully focus on the channel. And then he takes that footage and edits it into videos. And it's like he's able to capture and edit the emotion that I'm trying to get across through my phone like I've been doing in a way that's so much nicer looking and so much of the fat trimmed out. Have so. you found that you've changed then like the way you communicate day to day? Because back in, you know, your YouTube used to even have just more like you going live. Like, For sure. You know, tell, so how do you do that now? Is it like Instagram story or? Uh... Yeah, I do a lot more on Instagram story because that's like almost up to date. But I feel like the live thing, you're trying to catch people. It never really lands. Get em, Unless you schedule just store it, out. it. Just store it and have it there, right? Like, Yeah, I, I feel like that's a... I find that an easier way to communicate clearly with people. Yeah. Sometimes when you're live, you're just rambling. What about updates and stuff like that? Like you I think to... I like the podcast for that. It's like us having a conversation. Yeah. Live. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I agree. try to do an update um, on the YouTube channel from once in a while, but I'm also trying to have it be a story that we're telling. Like we're here now. I'm, I was on this trip. I showed up in White Salmon. We went whitewater paddling down this section. Yeah. Where there's gonna be video well, on that. That's the really neat part about what you're doing is it's not just a you're in one place. Right. And well, yeah, and it's like a, we're trying to travel around and tell the story of that place through videos, bring people along. Like, you know, we did Redding, and we have a, there's like a whole series on Redding. Yeah. And then Bend, and then the White Salmon's going to be coming up for our next series. So nice. It's really fun. That's really so cool. Fun. Where else are you thinking? Uh, well, I want to go to the desert. I definitely want to get down to Arizona. I've got some dealers down there that are just rock stars, like uh, Corey. I'd love to do a multi day down now. there. I mean, I'd be super down to do, like, a river float. Maybe my parents will want to scout it out because they're down there in the winter. Run a shuttle. And just do a sweet canoe trip. Yeah. Man, if we could, let's do that this winter. Yeah. That'd I'm be down. nice. We should take some Sandpiper 130s. I've been wanting to do that. Like, do an overnight. We said canoes, but do an overnight in the Sandpipers. Just, like, a fun, easy chill. Totally. It's tons of stuff. Carrying tons of stuff. Yeah. Like, lots of water. Yeah, all that the, sounds good. All the comforts. The dogs? Would you bring your dog? Or would you bring a canoe if you brought the dog? Your dog's huge. I'm not bringing my dog anywhere. (laughs) We had so much fun. Did you see that reel I put up of you and your dog in the canoe? It took off. It's it's got like a thousand likes. Uh, Oh, I did, yeah. Oh, man, it's so cute. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's just sitting there. Just chilling in the canoe. He's got his head on his gunnel, doesn't he? Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, Yeah, desert would be a really cool one to bring people along, especially that's a good thing to do in the winter. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking. We do the desert. I think we'll probably do one more shoot uh, in Lodi because I really want to highlight what we're doing at the boathouse, you know. I don't talk about that. We should do a SoCal one. We should do a SoCal one next spring. A road trip to SoCal? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go paddle some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. we were talking about uh, doing that Eddie Line Weekend of Wine Country thing too. Yep. 
and I'd like to make that come to fruition where we get to Lodi and like paddle down, sleep at that winery. They have that little tenter campsite set up. Yeah. And then they I'd got the winery like a half mile walk up the way. And uh, it's on this guy's like 150 year old ranch. And then we paddle the rest of the way down to Lodi Lake. So I want to do that coming up like in spring. So lots of, lots of exciting stuff. I just, I don't know. I feel like every day I just am so excited to get to work and do new stuff. And totally. Yeah, I'm I excited. I mean, do you want to talk about what we're working on with Eddie Line? Like working yeah. on this together a little bit? Yeah, well, absolutely. So I guess I just said, you know, I was kind of lone wolf <laughs> without, you know, uh, an employee uh-huh. in the true sense. And that was such a wonderful run. I'm so thankful for, like, what Nick and I did together. And, I mean, clearly he's going to be involved, and I hope. I mean, he was over borrowing a board the other – you know, he's around. Nick, yeah, like, yeah. if you're in the bubble of Nick – He just, like, like, flew the, flew I, the nest. He's ready for the next I thing. would hope to never – so – but – I think what I'm really looking forward to is not like I always love working together with people who inspire me. You've always inspired me, and we've been talking more about over the many years we've had it up to like how, and we have worked on some things together, and it's been sure. always been great. So it just seemed kind of natural of like I think especially now as this reset is happening in the marketplace and how to communicate. I'm excited to try to partner with you on like particularly Eddie Line. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've all been talking about is going forward as like it's a big territory to work together or yeah. to work. Well, there's a lot of work to do, and I feel like we are already telling the same story with Eddie Line. So it makes sense for me that we work together on it to just cover more ground. It's a brand I've always been passionate about since day one. Like That was my number one favorite brand to sell when I had a shop. I sold them you know, from day one to the day we closed and still to today through the – uh, the boathouse actually it still sells them so it's something i'm pretty fired up to be a part of i mean all the fondest memories are like working a demo beach or like brainstorming ideas concepts laughing you know being in our canoes together i think what will come from that and also just so on the same page about how we want to just share the story of like our dealers around the area yeah, you know? sports, our industry yeah, our, yeah like we're documenting the current life we live and i mean i feel like we live such a unique and special life and not a lot of people get to see or come behind the curtain of of this industry so it's kind of fun so that's essentially part of the reason dan and i are driving in the same car is like uh we're going down the road all the way from bend to um, deer valley utah and kind of just you know whatever having a good time look you know and then every once in a while just various what ifs come up like how we will like handle certain things or or also just dreams like business already business ideas of ways we might want to do this or that type of thing, whether it's training staff or like event support yeah. or whatever. There's just a lot to talk. There's through. a lot to talk through. So we're kind of using this as an opportunity to do that. And so like the announcement is just, that's what we're doing right now. And yeah, figure- basically that's what's going on. We're sitting here shooting the breeze, talking about, you know, what can we do? Why we, how can we move this thing forward? How can we just work to work together to make cool win-wins, uh, blow, blow it up even more. Yeah, and there's also, like, all the other things that we're working on together. Like, you were telling me just, like, I was kind of, like, we are talking kayak fishing, and I'm, like, I hadn't done a ton of it. Yeah. And, or any of it. And so Dan was telling me on that. I'm, like, oh, I should carry a feel-free around on my rig some, you know. It's just, I think, I think it's, like, and I certainly feel like I had that effect on you with certain types of canoes, too, over the years, right, and different type of canoes you would enjoy. Totally. Is like the different boats, and, and uh, so I think there'll be some of that of just sharing each other's stoke for the different products. We're going down the road. Yeah, I'm excited to work together. I think we're gonna do some fun stuff. Excited to play in boats a bunch. And uh, yeah, keep living this life. Pretty pretty lucky. Well, the part of the reason of this history whole podcast history thing was. Um, Last week, I came from a trip that went all the way from Washington, Bellingham, actually, all the way to the top, all the way down to kind of the Bay Area. And one of the stops I made after taking a sunrise ferry from Edmonds to Kingston um, was to go up to Port Gamble and meet with John at Olympic Outdoor Center and his store, which is in like the historic town of Port Gamble um, that was once a logging town, this giant logging company kind of like passed it down through and it became this just historical beautiful museums white picket fences everywhere oh, wow so i ended up catching john in his shop 
for like a 20 minute talk as well that we're going to hopefully share on this episode. Um, yeah, let's really, I think we should roll into it. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool because his whole thing was one of the first people to really be on the whole like website of sales of the paddle sports industry. They were doing their own coding and everything. So, and he's also like had a lot to do with the Washington Water Trail. Yeah, I paddled the Columbia like what four times. Yeah, yeah, and Legend. just as you know, it was just a really good blast to talk with him. And um, so I have that and what he's doing and how he's kind of kept the stoke going and everything this whole time. So I don't know why I think we'll break away here and, and uh, share that conversation. All right. Sounds good. Thank you guys for listening. All right. We'll see you on down the road. John, we we're just talking about when you started this uh, store itself and I, was it Posebo first? In- uh, yeah, we started uh, the retail end of it in 1992. Uh-huh. Um, we started like a home-based garage business in 1986, and we were doing, uh, you know, just kayak tours in full um, dagger plastic kayaks. And this was right at the beginning when you were just starting to get like touring style of kayaks made in high-density plastic. So <laughs> it was pretty rough at first. Yeah, yeah, like you were experiment getting experimented. Right, upon. right. Was uh, so you were working with you know, we're in Port Gamble right now, which is on the peninsula, but you've kind of always been based in the peninsula, the Olympic Peninsula. Oh, yeah, I love it here. I live here, group my kids grew up here, and uh, I wouldn't live anywhere else. So, uh, you've ended up raising a family on the paddle sports business, and your kids are off in professional careers, I think, right? <laughs> like, doing all yeah, the they definitely did. <laughs> and uh, believe me, I've offered um for them to come back and take over and stuff but they have their own careers and this is a lifestyle this is they probably already lived it to some extent right (laughs) right both of them work for me and uh had been through many events and uh you know rentals and work in the back office and just just kind of in the grind in the summertime which you know i'm happy for them <laughs> well you know that's what i'm hoping for my kids is they see how dad made his living and then they go off and professionally i think one of your is kids is an attorney or something or no or no i thought uh, it was going to law school engineer yeah. and uh uh business it's awesome um i started to digress but i got young kids i'm wondering what they'll end up doing with a dad as a rep so all right so 1986 1992 kind of full retail correct right right you were one of the early ones to jump online with online sales, That's I feel correct, like, yeah. um, you know, so you were basically running your, I mean, what kind, there wasn't these like dra- drag and drop websites. You had to pretty much program a lot of right, this stuff. Right, right. We programmed HTML and uh, programmed in the, the carts at the time and, uh, you know, did all our own photography and uh, just kind of built up categories and did uh, Google advertising in the early time. And, uh, you know, it was kind of the Wild West back then. There was no restrictions on what you could sell or, yeah. or what price you could sell it at. I mean, it was just about getting it to the consumer. And, uh, you know, it was a nice additional revenue source for our business. Uh, we had a growing and successful outfitter business where we did classes, tours. We started a kid's program, and that was really successful. And... Uh, opened up a couple rental locations and just started building the business back in the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see, you know, you guys always do such a good job of sharing that now on social media. Like I see the dock contests you guys have where like right. the dock hands have to do little tricks at the end of the season, kind of. It's kind of a cool celebration. I think one of the things I, I've always enjoyed watching is Olympic Outdoor Center and John and, and his manager, Drew, and Forrest before him. They continue to get people kind of lead the horse to water i mean that's a bad but you guys show people ways to have fun in their boat and i feel like we're at that crux right now where maybe people bought stuff during the pandemic and now we need to show them how to have fun with it right right (laughs) right right we've always run events for that type of activity um you know events are hard they're time consuming they're expensive uh but they're rewarding in a lot of ways because you get the consumer out in their equipment doing fun stuff like uh when we uh created the national water trail here in kitsap in 2014 we started an event called ride the tide which is uh basically a tidal paddle 
um, through Port Washington Narrows, past Bremerton Shipyard, and um, it was super fun and and you know it's a type type of event where consumers don't really have to paddle very hard because they're going with the tide. It's like an easy flowing river. So, yeah. Um, so you're you're really focusing on inclusive, not like I've been part of events where it's like you're gonna push yourself and some people drop out and have a terrible time, but the last two hours you see them straining. You yeah, know, you're not yeah. trying to do that. Well we used to do that. <laughs> yeah. We used to have events where, you know, you'd have to paddle like fifteen to twenty miles in a day, you know, that type of thing early on. But that was back when, you know, the only types of kayaks you could get were touring. Yeah, people were in the sport for touring. There wasn't this big recreational brand of kayaks. Uh, I think when Perception came out with the Swifty, that kind of diverged the whole kayak industry into the sort of recreational paddling. I guess like the bike industry. You have mountain bikers, you have road bikers, right, you have. Right. Um, well, I've been enjoying like watching. I mean, it, you know, we all watch each other on social media, and it seems like the last several years you've been knocking off some of your own long paddles. Where can people check out that storyline? I mean, it's been, you paddled the Columbia twice now? Or yeah, well, four times actually. But, sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Paddlers of the Columbia on, uh, on uh, YouTube uh, and Facebook. I've got tons of uh, paddle videos from the Columbia, different sections of it from the source, which is Canal Flats in British Columbia all the way to Astoria. So you can go online and look for just a little 10 15 mile section and it's just some of the most spectacular paddling um i think that i've ever experienced um you know the columbia is a big river it starts out as a little creek and it goes through uh you know uh, really remote areas to super like portland and you know industrial industrial and, yeah. but you know it's just that everybody's kind of a lot of ways turn their back on the river these little communities so you feel like you're in the wilderness because there's nothing there and you don't see very many paddlers so you might not know about we probably hear it in my voice but i'm from minnesota wisconsin and grew up oh, right yeah. on the mississippi river <laughs> like so i have a love for like the workhorse river with the long history like steamships burned on oh, that yeah. corner you yeah. know so you get to soak that all up and i think a lot of people do look toward wilderness i'm gonna paddle the san juans and get well that's not necessarily wilderness but no. you know or i'm gonna get on the other side of bc you know yeah, vancouver island, vancouver island yeah. um but there's a lot to be done and and you were describing to me earlier there's some technical sections in there i mean oh yeah there's whitewater sections with rapids and humongous whirlpools and you and know wind <laughs> and a lot of wind but you know there's lots of easy flowing family oriented paddles uh to be had and um i think it's a great destination that people don't think about um to to go and do well i'm gonna paddlers of the columbia all right. That's everybody check that out because I know from my own paddling there are guidebooks, but to you know to visualize what you're paddling to see John doing it, um, he documented his whole kind of date. Every I, I caught it on Instagram, right? I think yeah. same same tag. So it's really fun to look back at that. Uh, why I wanted to like come in here? We're in just this beautiful what restored firehouse, firehouse in yeah. Port Gamble, Washington. Right. Um, you, so you've moved a little bit because I used to call on you in Polsbo. It just feels like we're at another crux transition. You've probably seen a bunch of these in the industry overall. Yeah. And we're kind of coming out of this COVID. You know, anything that floated was of interest to people. Where do you think we're going here? What are the challenges you're facing as we go into fall and well, deep summer? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Because, you know, I was in, I was there in the 90s when kayaking paddle sports first started booming, you know, and like... Again, we used to, back in the day, we would have to warehouse three months worth of kayaks before the season even started because we couldn't get any. Well, yep. here we are, COVID, the whole outdoor industry is blown up. Paddle sports is really popular here in the Northwest area because the amount of water we have. So we're kind of back. Now we're warehousing boats again, like we did in the 90s. So um, I really see that you know, the customers that we have flowing through the shop here, they're committed to paddling. They're committed to paddle sports. So that's only going to carry on. So I feel the sport's going to continue growing. Um, I think one of the areas that really needs to be addressed is the younger, like 30-ish, 30 um, old type of 
consumer. Yep. And we need a whole new style of kayak for them. You know, something faster, maybe e-assist, something huh. something that really kind of, you know, gets them excited about paddling. Um, you know, because the resource is there, nature is there, and there's tons of paddling. So, you it's know, like the one wheel version of a kayak or something. Right. Like, I mean, because that's my kid right now. The only car he calls out is a Tesla. Yeah. The only bike he's interested. Right. I mean, he has an awesome mountain bike, but he wants an e-bike. Right. It's like the, you know, whatever it was for our generation. It's the, the new thing. And that's an interesting, that's like an e-assist. I mean, they're doing it on the fishing side of things, but you're thinking right. even on the touring and rec. Definitely on the touring side and the day, day touring especially will be super popular. You come out with an e-assist. Now, instead of paddling maybe five, six miles, they can paddle 10. And if you can paddle 10, that gets you even farther out into more remote areas, which are way cooler than paddling shoreline next to a house. Yeah, so, so the access. What? Um, it's really interesting to me because like the bike, bicycle industry realized very quickly, like, let's put an onboard computer here, and now it becomes yeah. a fitness tool better than, you know, and I know some people are using their Fitbit, smartwatches. What did you use to track on the river? That I mean, and what do you use? Do you, or are you just like I want to detach <laughs> when you paddle? Yeah, I'm I'm old school. <laughs> <laughs> I do use a GPS tracker, but I don't use it to record speed. Mm-hmm. I just use it to uh, report my position to family and friends, and yeah, um, you know, let them know that I'm moving, <laughs> that I'm still okay. Yeah, uh, call for emergency. Yeah, case. yeah. so uh, you know, the whole social media part of it. Of course, I'm old school. You know, I'm not, you know, posting everything that I do and selfies of me out paddling every day. It's, uh, but, you know, I can see the allure of that for, for, for a certain age group. And especially if they're seeing something cool, like, you know, now we have orcas in Puget Sound year round. There's always a pod somewhere, Hood Canal or Admiralty Inlet or South Sound or something. So you know and there's of course migrating marine mammals like sea lions and we have our local harbor seals and so there's always something cool and interesting to go see and that's what these people want to go to see yeah it's fun to share it i mean i i have a love hate thing with it because sometimes i'm somewhere so cool i don't want to share it but at the same time you and i are like tasked with being inspired you know we want to inspire the next generation paddlers. so so we juggle with that but yeah i see these 16 foot kayaks i mean the bicycle struggles to find different places to put these attachments and we have this blank canvas oh for sure with a kayak and sure. i think it is the next evolution of like where's my port where's my charging port on my kayak well you know, you solar know, cha- panel i use a deck bag yeah and it looks like you know the the, the like a car council council yeah. right 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 so i just open it up i've got my solar panel i've got it's plugged into my battery and i can juice my phone from there and got my gopro hooked into it so you know if they would come up with something cool like that built in of some built in or even a module that goes on yeah um it's it would be pretty cool we were talking about fishing kayaking and like three years ago everyone was using pvc pipes and building out their kits and now it is plug and play right and a, a fishing shop can hire a new you know, wrench hand that can kind of install that stuff over, you know, they can learn very quickly before it was a skill. So I think you're right. I think we need to make that part of it easy. Um, So how is your, just to jump kind of back to the online component, because I heard from one of my retailers recently, uh, a national account that, you know, 70 to 80% of the sales are online for them. Um, I I don't need, you know, and, and they have exposure um, sure. both online and in storefront, similar to like what an independent, yet the retail component of online is so difficult these days, right? It's just a cat and mouse game a little bit, or have you found that it's just the right no. products? No, it's, it, well, we're, we're in, obviously we're in the, uh, online market. Yeah. We do that. We do well in it, but it's not our focus. The okay. focus is here in the shop and our rental locations and, uh, we, you know, what I what we found is the customer still wants to touch, feel, try on the product. You can't do that in an online environment. And so, you know, the internet part of our business is actually the least profitable part of our business that we do. You know, because of returns, shipping, um, finding the customer. 
yeah yeah finding the marketing part of it it's just hugely expensive and it's just if you look at who's actually out there doing it there's just a few players now yeah back when we started in the 90s every every once in a while someone new would pop up and it's like they last for a few months and then they figure out oh it's expensive to advertise so then they drop yeah. out so now it's just the big accounts really can afford to be on um you know the internet yeah so all the little guys are gone and unfortunately that doesn't support a small shop anymore they have to be all in store now which is super hard to do so but your platform is professional i see you know there is some social media reach out a little bit right trying to tell people you have certain products on hand um but you know there is nothing like coming into this store absolutely gorgeous uh especially like in a firehouse where you have like the original wood and like the stains on the floor from the fire engines and you know it's just uh you know it's part of the entertainment package that you're selling to to the consumer you know and for me i took a ferry over here last night at sunset and i mean and i was i was like this is actually you know there's a lot of things to do around here in paddle but coming into here uh, like spending a day out here and coming into the store it's kind of part of the whole experience like you said it's like almost like this could be a a weekend getaway and stopping yeah. into a historic building in a shop like this i you know i I've, I've been early on i was early on in the online thing too and i just worry that if you have a few sales scraped here and a few sales scraped there stores like this might not necessarily so are you you know be able to survive long term you have a lot of strength because of how many years you've been doing this a lot of acorns kind of stuffed away if you will or you know or uh experience in the inventory um do you you know when you're choosing the things to sell online it's the products that you believe in obviously but what dissuades you with a line like if if there was some brand doing something do you say well i'm no longer doing that well we we obviously check it out before we commit to a brand and if the brand is not policing their map on the internet then it's not worth our time yeah it's just uh uh there's no like rule of law right you're buying something you don't know what you're gonna be able to do with it and that was kind of the old way where there was no map there was no one policing it and you know, we'd go online and see like our major products, who's selling it, what price. And then we would either adjust our price up or down depending on how competitive we are because we know the consumer's there to buy right today at the lowest price. So, um, you know, that's hopefully gone from the industry now and um, everybody's doing a much, much better job of policing. And the thing about getting through COVID is there was no price competition because you sold it at full MSRP because people couldn't get it anywhere else and there was no need to discount so those of us that were online doing the internet during COVID have done really well and uh, you know we'll see what happens in the future but I've seen a lot of change in the industry as far as the map policy and pricing and policing that I really like. I, I was excited too because the last people that vendors were supplying during the COVID demand was Amazon. Yeah. They really did get last placed and it just is whoever's listening here, you know, it does take more effort for you maybe to go through checkout on Olympic Outdoor Center because you got to enter your address whereas Amazon I can do that little swipe but I love having Olympic Outdoor Center have my email because then I hear about Ride the Tide and I hear about the community outreach and I might be able to plan a vacation around it. So that little extra effort, I mean, one, everything that you guys sell online has been vetted, you know, whereas you look at a dry bag on Amazon, I mean, you just don't know what you're getting. (laughs) And it's like all Amazon really has to do is give you the image of a product that's the illusion of a good product. It's not actually like we need to sell a good product. I need to create the proper illusion so that you swipe. In worst case, it's going to be a bad review. And if I get enough bad reviews, I'll change the UPC and model number and put it right back on there, right? Right, right. Um, so, I, you know, it's just a pitch to you can support these independent retailers here, but you want to be on their email list. There's some really exciting stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of really fun things. We have Ride the Tide, which you mentioned, which is uh, which is uh, paddling the outgoing really strong tide. And then we have Paddle Bainbridge, which is another tidal uh, assist paddle. And then we have Paddle Kitsap, which is another tidal assist paddle. Um, so we're trying to organize these paddles around 
something that'll help the paddlers not have to paddle so hard, but also get them into different places where they can see like, you know, beautiful shoreline or, you know, maybe into a bay that's, you know, pretty pristine um, or even see the skyline of Seattle if that's interesting, you know. Those are hook set moments, I call them. Like yeah. a moonlight paddle, bioluminescent tour. Yeah. I assume you guys do bioluminescent. You missed it. We <laughs> had one last night right here. I hope it, I'm sorry. I went to sleep in the back of my truck in front of your shop, which was quite quiet. I should have jumped out I, there. <laughs> I, I wish I would have known. I would have set you up on that. Well, everybody, John is in just great shape. You can tell you've been paddling. So, I mean, you obviously are still enjoying what you're doing. Uh, and you don't necessarily have to tell us all, but, you know, A, how long are you going to do this? And how does a store owner like you that's been doing it forever, you know, do you think about kind of the legacy, passing it on? Uh, do you have plans? Do you not want to share them? <laughs> uh, well, you know. Um, or just keep doing it. Well, no. <laughs> no, there is an end in sight. You know, I am. I've been doing this for 36 years. So, yeah. you know, it's been a career for me. And. Uh, I think what I built up here is something I'd like to hand off to someone yeah. that I would take care of as well as, you know, I have. Yeah. So those days are coming and, but I still really enjoy it. I love getting up, coming to work and meeting customers and just kind of really enjoying uh, this lifestyle that I have created around my work you know so yeah i'm i'm just like smiling so baby on the road because again i would it's just it's kind of this year is the after two years of doing this virtually as much as we you know are safely with right. mask on it's, we're coming back to this a little bit um thank you we're in the middle of his shop running hours everybody so john has been just so graceful and I, I please give them some support and check out Olympic Outdoor Center. Follow them on the socials because it is, um, I, you know, I follow it and it's two thirds adventure and then one third like, wow, that's a cool piece of gear that you guys. So it's just a really valuable thing. And if you can get out to Port Gamble, uh, this is just I've been I've had a great, you know, 12 hours and I don't want to leave the store. So, John, thank you. Um, oh, you bet, Ethan. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later.